Um, so it's very good to be here today. Um, it's been a while since I've done one of these. Um, and many people are surprised I actually managed to do this, and many are shocked that I volunteered to do this, uh, given uh, other time pressures. But um, no, uh, I think the way that I always put it is that working for God is, is not the same as doing other kinds of work, that it can be refreshing, that um, it can take us away from our, our stresses and strains of, of the world and realize that when we're working for God's kingdom, we're doing something that is important and immortal. So it's really good everyone is here today. My name is Oliver, for those who don't know me, a um, member of the preaching team here at Grace Vineyard. So welcome to everyone in the building and everyone on uh, YouTube. Um, today I'm going to be talking about... Um, God as our source. It's maybe a slight tilt on um, the, the theme that we've been doing, that it's perhaps not one of the, the strict characters of God that we generally think of. But I think it is an important aspect about God that he is who provides our everything. And so today we're just going to take a look through um, a little bit of scripture and probably a lot of um, witness and my own experience about what it means for God to be our source and how we try and understand that. So, um, for me, I, I think the, the most harmful thing that we can tell ourselves about the Bible is not that it is wrong or even that we don't believe it, but that it is not enough, that it cannot help us in our situation, or even that it might be enough for other people, but maybe it's not enough for us, that there is something about the situation that has befallen me that has placed me beyond God's ability to mend, beyond his power and redemption. The futility of it is that we can turn away from what we believe to be words about God and from God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and instead, we will turn to ourselves. We will turn to the world, somehow believing in ourselves that there is a greater truth, a greater hope, or a greater healing that can be found. Now, this falsehood does not come from us, of course. We are just willing believers of it. We are distracted so that we do not see how strange the lie we are told truly is. And it goes something like this. Imagine you are hungry and that you have nothing to eat. Destitute on the street. The memory of food is nothing but a torment to your starving stomach. Now what you need is some bread and as luck would have it, you know a baker. Not just any baker, he is the manufacturer of all bread in the world. He makes the bread, he sends it to the regional distribution centers, he sends it to the supermarkets, he sends it to the corner shops, he gives it on the streets. He makes sure that everyone who needs bread gets it. And not only that, 
but he's told you that any time you're hungry, just go to him and he'll make you some bread and make sure you don't go hungry. There are moments in our life that we get so hungry, we can talk to ourselves and say that maybe the baker has run out of bread. Or maybe we're so hungry that the bread he's got won't be able to satisfy the hunger that we have. Instead, you decide that maybe the best thing would, do, would be if you made your own bread or find someone who happens to have bread already and maybe they could give you some. When you hear it like this, it doesn't make any sense at all. But isn't this exactly what we do? So why does it happen? Why do we fall for it? Why do we do it? And to extend the metaphor a little further, I think that we can fall into this trap of thinking that the baker can make us bread if we need it, but forget that he makes all the bread that we eat. Every crumb, every crust, it comes from him. And in John chapter 6, it says... Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. It all comes down to one thing. Who is our source? Where do we think the substance of every day, of life, of everything comes from? If you don't think or don't understand that the stuff that fulfills your needs every day, your food, your water, your work, your everything comes from God, then when you're feeling really in need, when the weight of life's pressures is pressing down on you, so heavy that you can barely breathe, you're not going to trust that God is going to be able to help you. His help remains a theoretical possibility to you. When you're feeling really in need and struggling. It can be difficult to come to church with a giving heart. It can be difficult to hear that we shouldn't go to church expecting to receive, but to give. Now, this is not churches having a go at people that are struggling. It is a reflection that a worship service primary purpose is not, nor can it be, to recharge our spiritual batteries. I once heard someone define worship as loving someone 
unquestioningly and uncritically. Worship is an act of unconditional love. Our worship of God for it to be real and true cannot come with conditions. It is a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. It reflects his unconditional love for the Father as he points towards the Son. Worship is not ours to withhold. It does not come from us or within us. It comes from within him. We are participating in that dance of love, the eternal relationship within the Godhead of each member of the Trinity, eternally worshipping and uplifting the others. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus comments on a widow who puts two copper coins into the treasury, and he says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Well, treasury is right, for our worship and service is treasured by God. And we, when we give of the last that we have, he brings his glory to shine on us, and we will be witness to miracles, and we will receive everything that we need. Strength, love, hope, faith, confidence, provision, protection, life, and friendship. All of it he will pour out on us. We need to remember who is our source. And Jesus leaves us a pattern in this. That in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was perhaps in his greatest moment of need, he withdrew in private with two of his friends. Jesus would speak to his father in prayer when he needed to be strengthened. He didn't wait until he would preach in the synagogue. We follow this, time when it, this pattern when it comes to our ministry time. We create a space for prayer, for intercession, where one or two members of the church will intercede with, for someone to reach out to God. To pray for others, we need to listen to God. To pray for ourselves, we need to listen to God. Perhaps even more. And um, <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 4, and we've just been talking about, about bread in our communion, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy um, and says, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's not just one word, it's every word. Why every word? Because he is our source. He is the source of our life. And you know what? We cannot consume every word that comes from the mouth of God if we are not listening to every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's not enough to listen to God on a Sunday. If you do that, you're going to starve. And the next thing you know, you'll be trying to bite off someone's hand because you're so hungry for something that only God can provide. 
And I will raise my hand here and say that I, at times, have been starving, and I have been biting off people's hands. And I say it only so that someone here might avoid the trouble that has uh, befallen me. He is our source. And um, Paul in Corinthians tells us that we only see in part. It's true. This side of eternity, we are very easily confused. We confuse things that God has given to us with things that other human beings have given to us. And when that happens, we can be deceived into thinking that he's not our source, or not our source for everything at least. Let me give you an example. Okay, so how often do I read John 3.16 and feel so moved by the words as the day that I was married and heard my lovely wife make her wedding vows to me? Not that often. The question is, why? If God is my source, shouldn't his words mean more to me than hers? Or maybe it's because I could, I could hear her words in my ears, and I remember them still. I could see her face, and I remember it still. And she was talking directly to me, and only to me. How often have I wished that I could turn to that page in my Bible where it says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. How many times have I turned to that page and longed to hear those words spoken to me, to look upon his face, to feel his embrace and know that I've made it home? but not yet. So what does it mean? Is Sarah my source for something and God for something else? Is that what it means if I find it easier to go with Sarah with how I'm feeling than to pick up my Bible? I don't think that it is. The wedding vows are an impossibility for a human to live up to. How can I promise to stay by Sarah's side, whether rich or poor, through health and sickness until death, not knowing what the future may hold. How can I promise that I will endure when I cannot know that I will? I cannot, but God can. I did not create the love that I felt for Sarah on that day, nor the love that I feel for her today. I gave her something that I have received, not something that I have created. That realization, that revelation, makes me feel uncomfortable, as I hope it makes us all feel uncomfortable, that in love I am just handing on something that doesn't belong to me. I have done nothing myself, and the only way that I can make sense of that is realizing that giving of what God has given me makes me want to add whatever I have 
to whatever he has already given, not out of guilt, but out of gratitude for all that he has given me. It is his work in me that makes that love grow. We could not have stood in that place and have said those words and be here today believing them just as much, having experienced the reality of what better and worse means, even to the small extent that we have. We couldn't have done that without the Spirit of God. Sarah has been a vessel, an instrument, an agent for God's love in my life, just as I have been for her, a face of God's love that cannot be ignored or denied or forgotten, one that I cannot deny was made for me, proof that I am included in the promise that Jesus makes for all. One more story. Shortly after I got engaged, I experienced a spiritual attack. It was perhaps the most frightening event I've ever had in my life. It was like a great force from above was crushing me, forcing my essence into the abyss, quenching and extinguishing who I was. I literally felt like my life was slipping away. And when Sarah found out, she came to stay with me. That night we slept in adjacent beds and she held my hand. And as she prayed for me, I trusted that her prayer would be heard by God and that he would safeguard my life. When she was there, I still felt afraid, but I was able to hold on. Who helped me that night? Was it Sarah? Was it God? Was it both? Neither? When we put ourselves or another human in the place where Jesus belongs, we end up landing them with the weight of the cross, a weight that only Jesus can bear. Sarah is an amazing woman, but she cannot be my savior, and her human voice cannot speak protection over me. In that moment, I was able to hold on because the spirit that dwells in her echoed her words in the heavenly places. And that prayer was heard at the throne of God. As the Apostle Peter puts it, by his mighty hand, I was guarded until the last days. Now, we have spent time as a church talking about what it is to be in Christ, to be part of his body. And I hope it's not just me that's taken away that what that means is that we are partners with him. that he does the greater part, but allows us to add ours to his. The good in me comes from God, just as the good in Sarah comes from God. As we grow up from being children, we learn to be independent, knowing that we cannot always depend on our parents for everything. We learn to depend on our own strength, to stand on our own two feet, the problem is that it is a false story. For God tells us that we do not grow up, we only grow old. 
There is nothing that we can do by ourselves. We cannot help ourselves, but we are not helpless. He is our help. He is our source. So why then is it so tiring? Why is it so hard? Why is it so painful? If God is helping us, why is it not easier? One answer might be because he's helping us. He's not doing it for us. Just as a parent teaching their child to walk or talk or do anything, perhaps not so far from the truth. I think it has to come back to this one question. Why does Jesus sometimes feel less real to us than those in the flesh? Our faith is not an idea alone, nor is it a code of conduct, a way of living. It is in a God that lives and breathes and is not just real, but the source of everything that is real. The historical Jesus, the person, the things he said are a matter of fact. The existence of the person is perhaps the most well-documented thing that exists. Whether you're talking about biblical or non-biblical sources, there can be no dispute that the person called Jesus existed. Even the accounts of the resurrection are incredibly well-documented. There are a great many people from that time that not only believed that it happened, but said and documented that it happened. Now what distinguishes a Christian is that we believe that not only that the resurrection happened, but that the historical Jesus was and is and forever will be God. There's this... um, dramatization of of, um, the crucifixion and acts in in a series called A.D. Kingdom and Empire. And there's a scene after Jesus is crucified where Peter talks about Jesus. He talks about how he misses Jesus, like he's just lost his best friend. He's not talking about the loss of hope. He's not talking about the loss of an idea or the loss of his spirit, but the loss of a flesh and blood friend. We must never forget that the promise that we have been given is not just to a spiritual kingdom, but to a physical one too. One of my favorite verses is in Job chapter 19, where it says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth, And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. It promises us that we will look on God, on Jesus, not as spirit only, but as flesh and blood. And for a generation who has faced and survived a pandemic, for all the people who have been isolated and alone and may not have seen or touched a human being in too many days, 
there is a promise that we will come to a day where they will see and can be held by the living Lord Jesus, not as a metaphor or in a dream or in a vision, but in the flesh. We will be as those that Jesus touched, those he embraced as a friend, as a son, as a daughter, as his disciples, absolutely nothing less. And that day, we will see the marks on his hands and his feet, the scars that he carries for our sake, as real in that day as they were 2,000 years ago. He is our source, and we the work of his hands. These were my two copper coins, my worship, and all that I have to give. I pray that it would do you good. Amen. Um, so we're going to be ending the YouTube live stream uh, soon. We've got some questions to go over, and I, I realize it's not as big as I could have put them, so I'll just go through them. Um, First question is, is there anything that God is speaking to you about today? Number two, are there particular Bible verses that are particularly meaningful to you and have helped you to feel close to God? Number three, what one thing do you think would help you feel more connected to God right now or in your life? And number four is pray for each other at your tables and your breakout groups. Thank you.